Welcome to Bussin', the Greenville Transit Podcast. I'm Erin Predmore, Executive Director of Greenville Connects, and I'm very excited to be riding the 510 today with none other than James Keel, the Executive Director for Greenlink. So, James, welcome Thanks. to your own bus. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be here. I know. It's sort of funny. I usually welcome people riding with me, but you're immersed in this world all the time. I do. I, I see this bus at least nine times a day. Yeah, going by right by your office window downtown. That's right. One of the reasons I wanted you to be somebody to ride with me, because I think people want to know a little bit more about you and kind of how I'm interested to find out how you became a transit expert and working in this field. Um, because if I remember correctly, you started driving a bus in college. Is that right? That, that's that's correct. So um, if, you, if you look back to, you know, 2008, the quote-unquote Great Recession, um, I was I was a freshman in college that year. Um, Kevin figured that I'm, I'm still young for my career, but this is kind of the, the story of how I got here. So in, in 2008, the economy was, was not good. Um, I am the, the son of a, a single mother um, who owned her own business um, for, for many years and then, then left and went seven hours away to school. And then the economy got bad, and it's, uh, hey, uh, you need to get a job because you need to help out. And um, there were not a lot of opportunities available in, in Greenville, North Carolina, where, where ECU is. And I wanted to stay there over the summer and, um, you know, have a, a fun summer, if you will. And, um, you know, it was, it was looking for a job and couldn't find one. And, you know, I was, um, you know, I know it all, you know. Had a Honda Accord coupe and, and thought that I, I I could I could do anything and then somebody uh, I was in the car with somebody I don't remember who it was but it was like hey uh, you need a job like ECU Transit is now hiring so there's these you know 40 60 foot buses that, that serve ECU now ECU's a, a, a big school 25,000 students or so that that uh, that particular year um, so the massive massive transit system was there. Running 34 routes, 20 hours a day, 150 driver, drivers. is a is a big system, but it's all student run basically. It's like, hey, I, you, you should be a bus driver, but I'm sure you couldn't have a bus with you got the small car. I'm like, watch me. So you know, I went and applied and went through a CDL training program and and got my CDL. I keep it when I was 18 years old. Never actually got my CDL and quickly turned 19. So you know, you got a bunch of, of college students out out driving buses and. You know, I was a photography major, thought that I wanted to be a professional photographer, and then got bored with that and actually studied biology and chemistry for a year, and then got bored with that and decided that I was actually going to go back and, and study business. Um, so, you know, two, two and a half years in, into college, and it's like, hey, I'm going to get a business degree. And, uh, you know, was was finishing up my bachelor's program and scratching my head thinking I don't have a clue what I want to do with my life and my career meanwhile you know I'm, I've been driving the bus and I thought you know what um, I think I want to stick around for another another you know year year and a half and, and get my master's degree and try to figure my life out right and about that time I uh, was approached with um, an opportunity to um, lead up kind of at this new special um, special project special events that that, that division that was being set up um, that really handled a lot of the special events that that happened um, at the university and like it was going to be a good fit it was going to make a full-time full-time job basically and um, you know got into that and did that for about a year and was 
you know, finishing up my master's program, and it's, well, hey, do you want to be a division manager? And um, was a division manager and actually ended up starting the motor coach unit. Um, so we actually went and actually bought university motor coaches and brought the majority of the university's athletic travel in-house instead of using third-party providers. And, uh, you know, was, was kind of enjoying that and having a good time and, you know, thought that was, you know, going to be a good career opportunity to stay in North Carolina, you know, work for the state, and then... Um, I kind of got bored again. I think you kind of see a friend here, right? I keep you getting bored. Maybe you weren't challenged enough at that point. You had you had conquered the motor coach, developed like that whole system, and you were ready for a new challenge. Yeah, that's that's fair. You know, I, I wanted more. Um, so ended up um, twenty fifteen came came to Greenville to be general manager of, of operations and um, had that role for seven eight months. And um, the director who had hired me actually um, ended up you know moving and. Um, got moved into an assistant director position and, and did that for a while. Um, kind of had some more turnover. Um, the next director left and uh, ended up, you know, being put into this position September or October of, of 2019, um, which, you know, we're start getting into, you know, a couple of months before the pandemic. So it was like, hey, congratulations, you're a director. Now you have to deal with a pandemic. And by the way, nobody in your industry has a clue how to handle any of this, so we're going to figure it out together. Um, so once again, it was almost one of those here. Welcome to your new job. You're going to be baptized by fire yet again. Um, and, and you know, now now we're sitting here, you know, quote unquote, coming out of the pandemic. Um, you know, in South Carolina, you know, it, it never happened, if you will. Um, so you know, it's 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 been kind of a, a fast track career, but but it's also been very rewarding. We've, we've been able to accomplish. A lot, not as much as I would like to be able to do, but it's it's certainly better than it was whenever I got here. Mm-hmm. No, there have been a, a lot of changes since you got here, and a lot of improvements and efficiencies put in place, and and that sort of stuff within the system. I know that that's been one of your one of your priorities has been streamlining some of that stuff and bringing on make, building a really good team. I think too has been one of the just from the outside looking in, it seems like your team is very strong. I, I would agree with that. I think you know ultimately. You know, having a good group of people around me is probably, like, my, my biggest priority. And, and at the same time, that's also been why we've been exceptionally successful, right? So, I mean, you know, if you look at our, our, our compliance and our technology and, and really just our performance, you know, it, it has increased immensely. And while I would love to sit here and say, oh, yeah, look at what a great job I've done. The only thing that I, I really had to, anything to do with the majority of it was, like, picking out good people and giving them the resources they needed to be able to have impactful change. Um, and at the same time, you know, being able to get enough trust from the political climate in, in, in Greenville to say, you know what, we're going to take a little bit of a risk on this project and find out if it's going to pay out. To be able, so give me an example of something like that that, you've, that you felt like either was a little before its time or, or maybe because that's some of this right in transit is there are certain communities where transit's I guess edgier right so they're starting new projects or saying oh let's bring on this new technology more quickly or that sort of thing how does Greenville do with that uh, well you know if you look where we were five eight ten years ago we, we were behind like majorly behind in, in the sense that you know you didn't know where the buses were you couldn't find out what your on-time performance was you, you couldn't you know open your phone up and find anything and you had to pay with with cash or coin on board and, and you know in, in, in bigger cities and bigger systems you know they they were able to solve these questions these problems years at this point you know up to two decades ago so you know it, it really wasn't 
hadn't been a lot of forethought, hadn't been a lot of planning. And, and quite frankly, you know, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not casting any blame here, but if you just look back at some of the individuals that had historically been hired from GTA, there wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of transit expertise. I'm not saying that they weren't, weren't good at their jobs. I'm not saying that they weren't good people, but I am saying that it's actually related to having a good understanding about how the technology works and how it works together and how it benefits your customers. Uh, GTA was lacking in that for a long time. I'm not sure they really ever had it. And and did the ECU system there that you sort of like started your career, were they one of those ones that had the, you know, more forward-thinking technologies? So we, we, we did have a really good ITS system, right? We, we were really able to know where everything was at all the time and, and get good data off the vehicles and, and be able to get in front of a lot of them. We, we were, we were, I would love to say we were fare free. That, that's not really the truth. You know, students paid a fee at the beginning of the year in their form of the tuition, and that's what funded the transit system. And you had to have your, your student ID to board. Um, but, you know, there wasn't any kind of, of a, a fast pass system or any, anything like that to, to get on. I think that the biggest piece is, you know, really more exposure, you know, to the transit system in general, participating in, you know, the American Public Transportation Association's conferences and expos, you know, looking at um, and, and what the technology is out there and really just being able to being open um, to going and looking at it because a lot of the stuff you, you're not, you're not going to see here in Greenville. You're actually going to have to, you know, kind of get out of your, out of your office and, and go to, to these conferences and into bigger systems and look and, and understand and kind of get your name out there like, hey, you know, that there's an interest in this agency or this person and it's worth our time to find out if, it, if it's worth us, in, you know, in, investing in. Mm-hmm. Now, the, that conference you're talking about, the, the Association of Public Transit APTA. APTA. What does that stand for again? The American Public Transportation Association. Okay. I put the A's in the wrong place. All right. So that was just recently, right? Didn't you just go to that conference not too long ago? Yeah. So they have several conferences a year. Um, oh, okay. You know, every three years they have the Expo, which if, if you want to see all the latest and greatest transit technology, you know, you, you go to the Expo. But um, they had the Transform Conference out in, in Seattle, actually, which, you know, it's it's always nice to go, you know, look at the new products, but at the same time to go actually go look at a, an impressive transit system that, you know, made, made significant, improvement, significant improvements to, you know, electric vehicles, um, technology, you know, they have the Orca card out there that you can kind of move from system to system with, and um, it just operates very smoothly and efficiently, and that I think that's what a lot of people kind of aspire to, um, but at the same time, you know, they're also a very transit-friendly city in the sense that there's a significant amount of money that, that actually funds transit in Seattle. Really invested in, in the system overall. They are. I mean, you know, it's a large city, so when, whenever you get that large, you, just, you have to have transit. It's not really an option at that point. And, I mean, at the same time, you also see what you see across the rest of the country as well is that, you know, the, the larger cities are much more open to it. Um, you know, politics and, and, and kind of views on that certainly change and, and make it an, an easier sell to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that once you get to a certain density, that it just makes sense for everything. It makes everything easier if you have a well-run transit system to go along with that size of a city and that sort of thing. And I think it seems like with the growth that Greenville's had in the last 30 years and this kind of doubling of their urbanized area, that growth is certainly, and and also I, the growth that's coming, right? So this anticipated additional quarter of a million people. Um, do you think we're going to get to the place where transit is ubiquitous here in Greenville? 
Get out your crystal ball. What uh, do you see, James? I mean, let me get out my tea leaves and, and read and, and kind of see what's there. So I think we're, we're at an interesting, you know, crossroads. And I, I don't think that I can, I can talk about transit without talking about, you know, just the, the general economy of, of Greenville and, and really what we see. So, you know, South Carolina has been a quote-unquote open for business state, you know, really competitive taxes. Economic development is very aggressive. A lot of direct forward investment. Right, we are a manufacturing state. It's it's really what what our bread and butter is, and that means that a lot of people that, that live here, you know, work in in those jobs. But at the same time, a lot of those plants and facilities are also not in the most um, densely uh, populated areas either. So you you do end up with a lot of you know people who are moving from them or traveling from their houses every day to those those plants and. And does it make sense to have good transit there? And I scratch my head because I don't, I don't, I don't know that it does until you get, you know, a really massive plant where you kind of have around-the-clock operations, and you have enough people living in one particular dense area that it makes sense to have that kind of service. I, I think, as Greenville as a whole, though, you know, uh, we we are behind with the transit system that we already have in place right now. So. You know, if you look at the bus we're on right now, it comes, you know, by this stop here once an hour. If you miss it, then, you know, you're not going to be able to catch it. And I know that's that's a big topic, but, you know, it's you know it's really hard to sell, like, hey, go ride the bus. You only get to ride it once an hour, though, right? It's it's much easier to to sell it, you know, whenever you've got more than, than one chance in an hour to it. So I think they would kind of almost end up with a chicken and egg conversation of, well, how, you know, how do we get more people on board? Well, we have to make it better first. Well, how do we make it better? Well, we have to get more investment for it. So, I mean, somebody's going to have to be a champion. Somebody's going to have to sit here and, and, and upsell it and, you know, and, and, and get people to see the value that it can bring to the community before it, it can get there. Um, and that, that in itself presents, you know, kind of an array of, of challenges of, hey, how do we, how do we solve this? Um, but, you know, there, there are areas in Greenville that are already densely populated enough to support good transit. And as the growth continues to come, we are, we are going to continue to see, you know, a demand for it, an increased demand for it. You know, and, you know, it's important to acknowledge right now that inflation is real, right? I mean, it, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive to travel. And historically speaking, whenever this happens, it pushes more people on the bus, so oh, when, it, in, when inflation has happened in the what, past? When inflation happened okay. in the past, because you run into, you know, even in this area, it's very true with, you know, when the economy is good, you know, people who may own a car, but they can't afford the insurance or they can't afford the gas, and the economy is good and wages are good and gas prices are down, they've got just enough income, then, well, you know what, I can get insurance on the car, I can pay for the gas, you know, I can, I can, I can have good, flexible mobility that I'm, I'm independent right now, right? Well... You know, you add inflation, you add an expensive gas, grocery prices go up, the cost of living goes up. Those same people are like, well, you know, I'm going to let the insurance, you know, lapse, and I can't afford to put gas, and I'm going to get back on the bus. So, you know, it, it's one of those those dangerous swords that they have this group of people that, that doesn't really sit in the quote-unquote terms that are out there of, you know, a choice rider and, and somebody who does not have a choice. It's people who are on the, the brink of not having a choice because, you know, the economy is good and wages are good, and how do we deal with all of that? So you know it, it, that this this continues to play out, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how how it drives ridership really over however long it takes for the economy to adjust to to what's been going on. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Like you said, for the adjustment to take place and whether or not 
I, when when you talk about ridership now, I know y'all track that each day. Are y'all already seeing some of those trends where you've had an increase in ridership, or, or do you feel like that lags a little bit? Well, I mean, it, now you're kind of getting into another question of, well, is ridership increasing? Is it where it was pre-COVID? Because, um, you know, during COVID, ridership, you know, went down significantly. Right. So we, we have to go back to what pre-pandemic looks like. and. Oh, and have you made it back to those levels yet? Much correct. less, is that just a return to normal or is it a bump up because of inflation? Yeah, and, and that now, was a much more complicated question yes, than that, I expected it to be. That, those, those tea leaves are much more convoluted and harder to read. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. What I always appreciate when I ride is... The number of people on the bus, it does obviously ebb and flow along the route, but there are many times where there are 20 or 30 people on the bus, the bus is full, we're riding to, you know, and you, you see people hop off on the way out from the transit center and you got people coming into town on the loop, you know, they'll come in on the other side. Um, so it's a great, it, it really does help you to see that this transit system really is a benefit to so many people. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess that, that that's kind of always the... The struggle is, you know, we have people who are pro-transit and people who are not pro-transit. You know, it's, oh, people don't ride the bus. It's, well, you know, why don't you come hop on? Hop on yeah. for an hour on and, you know, and, and, and talk to somebody and realize, you know, what their story is, right? Um, and, you know, we just need to do a good job as, as a community to ensure people can, can access the same things that, quite frankly, some of us take for granted our ability to access. That's definitely true. Well, and you think about, you just said before, like it goes once an hour right now. And if I think about the schedule of my day and do I have a, what happens if I had to add an hour on each end of my coming and going or a trip that I need to take or multiple trips, you know, like that would be all that I did all day. I would, I would just be basically on the bus, occasionally popping out to do a quick thing and then getting back on to... <laughs> Well, it, right again to my next location. You know, but it's a bigger deal for people who are hourly employees, exactly. right? Where yeah. you know, well, you know, versus like, hey, I was five minutes late because you know X, Y, or Z. Well, oh, I was an hour late because I didn't catch the bus on time this morning. And most employers don't don't tolerate that much. I mean, granted, right now it's massive, you know, workforce problems, so it, it provides them for a little bit more flexibility like we've never seen before. But but in general, that that is not kind of behavior that, that an employer wants to, to see. No, I, I think that's, it's very layered, I guess, and I think your your point's valid that it's just, it's not just as simple as because of the frequency, it ends up complicating so many more things in people's lives if, if, uh, if they're relying on the bus in this way. That said, the buses are extremely reliable um, and are usually very close to being on time every day and, and just within a few minutes of that ex- expectation of the return to the transit center, right? Do y'all track that pretty closely? Yeah, so we, we actually can, can look at on-time performance down to the bus stop. Ooh. So we, we, we have a lot of really granular data of, you know, we, we, we don't broadcast time points for every bus stop because it, it just really wouldn't make sense to. We, we pick out usually about 10 stops per, per route that we kind of monitor our on-time performance against, and, and we do that every trip. Of every day, um, and that's how we, we basically summarize our, our monthly reporting. Um, and, but I mean, but it, but it does vary. You know, if you are if you drive your car every day, you know, over the course of a year, you know that your your commute time varies, especially as it relates to school. School traffic is is the biggest hindrance that we have um, to being on time. That, that, you know, you, you take away school traffic. You know, we had a uh, 
they had teacher work day on Monday of this week. And, you know, me driving to work, I saved about eight, ten minutes. Right, and the same thing is true with with the buses. They don't they don't they don't struggle in the summertime. They don't they right. don't, you know, we, we don't have those those challenges. So you know those um, those commute times you know are greatly impacted by by small things. You know, like like school buses and people taking their kids to um, kids to school every day and picking them up. And if you look at our on time performance, you know, and I don't think it's going to surprise anyone. You know, we we struggle with our on time performance in the morning whenever everybody's going to work and in the afternoons whenever everybody's trying to go home. Because of all the extra traffic with the other cars and stuff like that. Now, there are those little things that, uh, and there's a name for them, I'm sure, but that like uh, ambulances have or fire trucks have to be able to change the lights so, from red to green, right? What, is what, that a thing for it, buses? It, it, it is a thing. Um, so there's there's kind of two terms for that that are um, that are kind of used, and, and I think people want to use them interchangeably. And although they're the same system, they're 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 not the same system. So you know, with with fire, with 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 ambulance, um, there's this uh, technology piece that it, that is referred to as uh, traffic signal priority, and it, it is where you know if one of those vehicles is on an active call. It has the ability to flip a switch, basically, and, and all the lights that are in front of it just turn green. And, you know, it's great. Um, you know, you as a, as a driver in your vehicle may not be happy that you thought you were about to get through the light and you were not. But the person who needs that service is very oh, happy. Absolutely. Is very yeah. happy that those those lights turn green for them. Um, you know, in in transit, it, it's called transit signal priority um, or, or preemption, and, and those two words are, are are used, you know, as well. And and the difference is is that you know, as much as I would love to sit here and selfish and say, oh yeah, the bus just turns the light green. It's not. It's not how not it works exactly for us. It. It's more that it anticipates that it's. Does it time it up sort so, of in that way? You know, if the bus is on time, there are no no changes made to the traffic light timing because it, it we, we we plan for that. But if the bus is running, a, you know, a certain percentage late, then the system looks kind of ahead at the next couple of traffic lights and says, all right, can we hold? This particular light green for another five seconds, or you know, how how can we adjust this light timing just by enough to get this bus through, or shorten up a red cycle to get it through? Oh wow! Um, so it's to, kind of a intelligent design, sort of a thing. The artificial, the AI. It is an AI that that makes those decisions and determinations um, to to keep keep transit more on time. Um, that that is some technology that you know we've been looking at for some time. Um, you know, the other municipalities in the area have also been looking at it, trying to figure out if it makes sense, how to deploy it, when to deploy it, if if the choice is made to deploy it. Um, but you know, we're we're, we're in, involved in those conversations because from from our perspective on it, you know, if 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 another governmental entity wants to invest in technology, for us it's just you know throwing a device on the bus. Right, and then and then. Oh, because set. you would have to put the technology on the lights as well, and things. We, I mean, we, would, the... we would have to put, you know, the basically the the device on the vehicle to communicate with the system. Okay. But you know, it, it, we're already pulling all the data as far as our on-time performance right now. We already have all that, so it, it's just as simple as it, it integrating with with hey, you know, green or don't go green. Yeah, that's just fascinating to me because it. I would think that, especially those larger systems like you were talking about being in Seattle and that just that interconnectedness of transit that seems to be, you know, the crosswalks and the red and the green lights and the buses are, I mean, like you just, you rarely see, um, 
conflicts with priority in those kind of situations. And, and I assume, now that I've heard you describe it, that that kind of system is in place there this so that they can kind of, almost like a, a conductor at an orchestra. It's like, okay, now it's your turn to go. Now, oh, I see this happening here. I can read the music ahead and, you know, this other is going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Seattle specifically has it. I haven't asked. Oh, I don't know either, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you, you would expect to see that. I mean, I know, um, I, think, I think it's L.A. likes to, to talk about their system there. Um, really for how even traffic light synchronization and how much time it saves people over the course of a year. And it's a significant amount of time. I mean, you know, I I drive up and down Wade Hampton every day, and and oftentimes, you know, it's very stop and go, stop and go. It's like, why why can the traffic light up there just not know that it needs to turn green, right? Because it it just, you know. We want more technology to be able to make our, our lives better, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I wanted to ask you my last question for you today is, did you, so looking back to that fresh-faced 18-year-old looking for a job freshman year at ECU, could you have imagined yourself at this point? Like, now that you look back, has it been a direct path to where you are now? Or do you are you still surprised that you are the director at GreenLink and you're running a, a transit system? a loaded question um you know <laughs> it's I, really not it, it, it is because you know it, it's well yeah, that's true too you know I, I i don't i don't think that there there was ever a goal of hey i want to go be a transit director um so i really didn't it gets back to what i said i, I didn't know really what i wanted to be right and, and I, I think you know if, if we look at you know what what my what my job has turned into is, you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a couple of things, right? One, you know, I have the ability to to lead and impact a group of very important people um, to my professional career to, you know, develop themselves and and provide impact. Um, and, and through that, you know, we we are ultimately trying to to benefit a community and and make people's lives better by giving them mobility that they otherwise wouldn't have. And whenever I talk about my job, I don't I don't describe it that way, right? It's you know, well, I oversee fleet maintenance and operations and administration and you know, transit jargon. And it's like, well, yeah, but what do we what do we really do all of those things? And um, I think sometimes you know that everybody in my office we all take the impact that we we have for for granted. Um, but you know, if, if if we go back to you know, your question of did I imagine myself doing this? Like, no, I I I, I did not. But at the same time, um, at this point, I don't know that I could think of anything more rewarding um, than where I have found myself. Well, and I think you're really well suited for it. It's funny how, as you describe your story of how you ended up here, it was the right place at the right time with the right abilities and skills and interest, or boredom right to challenge yourself to go on to do something else or to get some more training yeah um, and yeah. greenville is the benefactor of all of that uh the, both the boredom no. and your willingness to go to challenge yourself a little bit more so thank you for that thank you for being bored james and uh continuing to look for challenges we're glad you ended up here this is great for us yeah well thanks for inviting me it's always always nice to chat you know we, we certainly appreciate the advocacy work because you know if we, we want to have good transit it's going to Take a village. Yeah. Well, we're happy to be part of this village. It's a lot of fun, too. Awesome. Bussin, the Greenville Transit Podcast, has been brought to you by Greenville Connects and is produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.